All right. Uh, we gonna talk today. Y'all okay with that? <laughs> we got uh, Andrew's down there getting batteries for the mic. Thank you, Fred. Fred washed the glass. We give away glasses. We've got all these glasses that Mark bought, and he saw one on the, in the foyer, and it was dirty, so he took it home and washed it, brought it back. Fred's the man. So we can't give away dirty glasses. I love you guys. Um, I, had, I, I had something that I could teach you today, <laughs> but I just wasn't feeling it. So we're going to talk. <clears throat> Something's been on my heart all week has uh, been been testimonies. Um, it hasn't just been on my heart all week. I've been hearing testimonies all week, just so happens. And I found the more I live this life on this earth, uh, the, less, the less coincidences there are and the more divine interventions there are. And so as I've heard many people's stories in this room and many people's stories outside this room, I really felt, especially after talking a little bit about the woman at the well last week and her going off and giving her testimony to people and them getting saved and then Jesus coming and them getting to know him and they're like, oh wow, this is real. I just want to talk about that today, and, and I'm not sure how exactly this is going to go, so just bear with me. Uh, but I want to, I, I, there's several new faces in here, even new faces, there's new faces for like a few months, new faces a few years, new faces just this morning, I'm just seeing new faces even, that don't really know me and don't really know my testimony, and so I want to kind of give a brief version of it, it's long, so I don't want to go that deep into it. But I think it's good, I think it's healthy for us to know each other and know kind of where we've come from and where we are now. And uh, so there's been, there's been times when I've touched on different areas in my life, just in the midst of sermons and different things that I've done. Um, but I just want to give you a little bit of history about where I've come from. And then uh, I may tell a few of y'all stories, not too in-depth, and I've, I think I've gotten with most of you about it before I say it. If not, y'all can beat me up afterwards. But... I used to be a pretty good fighter. I may not be. It's been probably 20 years. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, uh, I, was, I, was, uh, I was born in 1977, uh, born Waukiza Justin Benoit. If you don't know my first name, it's Waukiza. I go by Justin because kids are mean. <laughs> and they picked on me because <laughs> Waukiza was different. Um, and so I went by Justin, my middle name, which, which is... I would, I would rather Waukesha now because it's interesting and it's different, but it's too late. Everybody knows me as Justin, so I'm stuck with it. But on my birth certificate, it's Waukesha Justin Benoit. And on my license, people have to look at it because they don't believe me. Um, but that was uh, my dad really, for some reason, pushed that name, even though he, he, uh, he told my mom to abort me, to get rid of me. I was obviously not planned. Uh, my, my parents were pretty wild, to say the least. My dad was... Uh, was alcoholic, addicted to many drugs, cocaine. He was a drug dealer, <laughs> um, abusive to my mom, and, and uh, it, was, it was pretty rough, to say the least. So coming up in that environment, I, uh, I, I identified with that as who I was. I identified that as, as my identity. I identified as, as my future. I knew my dad's side of the family, kind of where they had come from, and I just assumed that's how I would end up. Most of them were, you know, dead or in jail. And, uh, and so through all that, <clears throat> I get into my adolescence. I end up at my grandparents. I'm skipping a lot because I don't want to bore you all with all the details. I just kind of want to get to one main point. Um, I, I, a lot of times we end up at our grandparents. That was the stable place. And I've, I've talked to some of you guys. Some of you guys have ended up at your grandparents too. And, um, 
even a coworker ended up telling the other day, and this is one of those strange things that this is a guy, this is an engineer that I work with, and, and we don't talk like we talk, you know, and I don't know him that well. And we were just happened to be on a job, and, and we went out to eat that night because we had to stay at a hotel out of town. And he began to tell me, or, or I began to tell him, and, it, and I'm trying to think of where it came, where, where it all, oh, it was Matzine. <laughs> you guys' AC went out, and somebody was texting me, and, and we, I was out of town, and I was trying to coordinate everything from out of town. I was like, we got to get them some AC because it sucks to be hot. And uh, anyway, so I just mentioned, I said, I'm sorry, i got to do this or whatever while we're eating, and and he's like, oh, no, I totally understand. And somehow that's, that's cool how this works out. Somehow that sparked a conversation. And he began to tell me the same thing, that he grew up with his grandparents and that his, and I would have never guessed this of this guy, like he just didn't seem like the type, right? Have, has anybody ever done that? You, you assume things about people and they tell you, and you're like, no way. This happens all the time <laughs> with me. Anyway, we, we got into a good conversation about another really cool example. Um, but anyway, so I ended up my grandparents and... Uh, I was a teenager, a freshman in high school, I guess, and around that time, I'm not real good with nailing down times, but right around that time, I was in high school, lived with my grandparents, and my grandmother specifically was kind of the rock. She, she kind of held everything together. It was always a safe place to go when she was there. Well, um, between one of those things you never forget, one of those milestone moments, and I'm going to talk about a lot of those today. It was between Fresh Prince Bel Air and Blossom, if you remember that. Um, she wasn't feeling well. I went to check on her. My grandfather worked as a security guard, like, I swear, 24 hours a day. He was never home. And I went to check on her, and uh, she passed away. Um, I called the 911. I tried to resuscitate her the best I knew how. And it was pretty traumatic for a, you know, for a freshman. And... Uh, even bigger deal because that was the only thing I could depend on. It's the only place I knew that was safe. At that time in my life. All right, think of something funny. Uh, <laughs> so uh, fast forward a little bit, doing things that kids do. We were poor. One thing my grandmother taught me was to sew, of all things. I learned how to sew and reap and different things like that. And I took home ec and advanced home ec, <laughs> really because it was close to the lunchroom. It wasn't really because I wanted to learn how to sew. But I did learn how to sew, and <clears throat> because we were poor, I couldn't afford at the time. It was uh, in Louisiana. It was Tommy Hilfiger shirts and Jabot jeans that were popular. I don't know what it was in Alabama, but this was in Louisiana. And I would, I would get hand-me-downs or, or Goodwill stuff, and I would take the tags off and sew them on my bobo clothes and make them look like they were cool. <laughs> I'll never forget a kid in the locker room saw some article of clothing that I had, and he was like, man, I didn't know they made like a shirt like that. And I was like, yeah, man, it's like exclusive. <laughs> some Walmart shirt with a Tommy Hilfiger tag sewed on it. Anyway, so little stuff like that. I, would, I, would <clears throat> I was trying to fit in and trying to, things that kids do, you know, trying to be popular, wanting to be in with the cool kids. Never really worked out real well for me. Um, after my, my grandmother passed away, my dad kind of moved into town out of nowhere, my real father, and I lived with him for a little while, bounced back and forth, ended up in Decatur, and then back down here, and we ended up on Dolphin Island. My mom remarried, my stepdad, and uh, lived on Dolphin Island. And he worked out of town a lot, so I was there alone a lot. She would go with them sometimes, sometimes she wouldn't. So, And I was pretty used to kind of being on my own anyway. 
<clears throat> so I took, adva took full advantage of living on Dolphin Island and being alone, and we would party and do all the things that teenagers do and go to other people's houses and party and drink and do all the, all the things that, that I thought would be fulfilling in my life. Um, certainly seek to, to, be, to be liked, right, to be known, to be, you know, quote-unquote popular, and I felt like I'd kind of reached that place. I guess it was my junior year, maybe, somewhere around there. And uh, another one, one of those defining moments, I was, uh, I was at a party. And this is after I'd gotten in some trouble and gotten arrested and got out and was paying all this restitution and paying for lawyers and had to sell my car and do all this stuff. And that's a whole different story. But I end up at this party, <clears throat> and it's 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, and I, I, I wake up out of a dead sleep like, boom. And I basically had a vision. Uh, there's no other way to describe it. It was a vision from God, and, and basically... He was saying, you know, is this, is this what you want? Is this what you've always wanted? And at the time, <clears throat> I thought everything was great. You know, I thought, yeah, this is what I want. People like me. They invite me places. I'm, I'm quote-unquote popular. This is what I always wanted. I wasn't wealthy. I worked hard, and I had a little bit of money, and I hustled. I did some things I shouldn't have done, um, which, by the way, road trips are fun. <laughs> You get to know each other on road trips. Part of this is, is, uh, has, was brought up. We, we had a road trip <laughs> uh, yesterday, and that also sparked this. It's, it's funny. We, we went with some friends, and, and they knew some of the thuggish people that I used to hang out with. And, and when it sparked when, when you mention somebody's name, and, and, uh, and you just go, wow, this brings everything back. It's like, wow, how far have I come to this place? And... Uh, Anyway, that just reminded me of that. I'm not sure why. So I woke up, <clears throat> woke up at this party, and uh, really just realizing that this is not, this is not what I want. There's, there's got to be more. Basically, I remember feeling in my heart, there's got to be more to life than this. Um, that phrase just stuck with me. There's got to be more to life than this. This is what I always wanted. I always wanted to be popular. I wanted to go to the parties and, and do all the things, and I was there. I was at that place that I thought was the place that I wanted to be, and I was more empty than I'd ever been. And it, and it was a moment that God reached down to me in the middle of my junk and talked to me. And not, not angry and not trying to make me feel bad about it, but realizing that there was more, that there was better things for me, that what I was shooting for was much lesser than what he had for me. <clears throat> now, fast forward a little bit, a little bit more. Um, <clears throat> I end up starting a new job and working with this guy. And um, many of you know the break room story, but there was much more to it than that. He got to know me. He didn't just tell me how horrible I was. He told me how good God was, and he he did the same thing that that I felt like Jesus did, and met me right where I was, and told me uh, what God had done for him, you know, and, and his history and what he had gone through. And he basically gave me his testimony through through probably a year and a half, I guess. And over that year and a half, I got to know this guy, and I began to see Jesus in him little by little. He, it was revealed to me. The Holy Spirit was speaking to me through him. Um, he invited me to a church deal. It was some uh, Baptist church on airport, I think. It was like uh, some skit thing that they were going to do, something you invite, I guess, lost people to so they can get saved. I don't know. But... Uh, they did some skits, but it was, it was God's timing. I don't even remember. It wasn't necessarily the skits or even the altar call. It was just God's timing. I remember running up to the altar and just, you know, bawling, crying, 
and uh, just giving up and saying, you know, this is it. I, I, I give you everything. And I just, I just threw my hands up and I said, this is it. And I remember, remember a guy coming up to me, <laughs> being in ministry now a long time, I really feel for the guy. <laughs> he had a little card. He was asking me all these questions. And I mean, I was snot crying. I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> he was just like, well, well, do you go to church? You know, all the things that, you know. What about this? What about this? Here's our information. He's doing all this stuff. And I was like, man, I don't even want to talk to you right now. I mean, I appreciated it, but, and I feel for the guy. But, I mean, it was just one of those moments where, where God speaks to you and, and your life has changed. And it's amazing, you know. And many of you, I hope all of you have experienced this. If not, hopefully give you an opportunity today, too, because it's awesome. Um, and it was, it was that time in my life that everything changed. I mean, everything changed. The way I saw things changed. My, everything that I knew to be me changed. And some things happened right away, and some things I, I grew and I learned over the years. And what's amazing about it is God, you know, at that moment, he gave me a new identity. I mean, in that moment, I was brand new. And it's taken me years to, to unfold that and realize how good news that is, that I'm not, I'm not just the son of, you know, <laughs> of an abusive drug dealer, and, and I'm not just a mistake that was supposed to be aborted, but I'm, I'm actually cared for, and I'm actually known. And not just known by people, but known by God. <laughs> Since last week, this, that Lauren Daigle song is stuck in my head. Uh, Rolling Stones, I don't know if y'all have heard it, but I was listening to it this morning in my office and just bawling, crying in there. There's a few verses that just really stick with me, and one of them, she says, she says, I, I dug this grave. And there's so many times that I think you, you and I, <laughs> have really beat ourselves up more than we really need to. When God's whole purpose is just to know us and to love us. And we put all these unrealistic expectations on each other and sometimes even more so on ourselves. And Jesus condemned the Pharisees for that. He said, you put... You put things on people's backs that you can't even carry. <clears throat> there are many other instances within, within, my, within my life where the Lord really touched me and spoke to me in many different ways. He's put people in my life that are much more educated than I am to teach me and things that I knew nothing about. I dropped out of high school. I hated school. I didn't read the Bible. I didn't know anything about it when I got saved. And I learned most everything from the uh, teen study Bible, paperback with a wave on the front of it. <laughs> because it told me what was going on because I didn't understand. I didn't understand Jewish culture. I didn't understand all these things. And the Lord's put these people in my life. I don't know if you know Rick Cagle. Rick Cagle was our pastor when we went to Crosspoint, and he since passed away. And then Mark Wyatt. And uh, I remember coming to church after I got saved and 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 some other churches before we ended up at the, the last few of this one being our home, and thinking, I don't fit in. <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, and this is one of those things that, 
that I've heard other people say to me that I thought the same thing. Maybe it's me. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I don't get it. And come to find out it wasn't. It wasn't me. It was just that people had just gotten caught up in a in more of a legalistic system than a relationship with the Father. And what I learned over the years, and especially once I came home to this church and would hear Mark, and I remember being in the... It's funny because I've seen, and, and there's a few people, and, and Kyle specifically, I've seen Kyle kind of lean forward and, and kind of shake his head when I'm speaking. It's so encouraging, and I really appreciate it, but it's, it reminds me of me sitting in your seat when Mark was up here going, wow, somebody gets it. <laughs> somebody, gets, somebody really understands. They're not just, it's just not a front, putting on a show, right? It's not, just, it's not just going through the motions and doing all the things. It's like, wow, somebody really gets it, and that's so good. Something uh, Brian mentioned to me this morning that I think is amazing. He heard some uh, another speaker, uh, which he sent me the podcast. I'm going to have to listen to it. But they said the more that we bring the kingdom on earth, the more the earth feels more like family. I think that's an amazing statement. The more we realize how much the kingdom of heaven impacts our lives right now, the more we can take a deep breath and realize that this place is okay. <laughs> We're going to eventually go somewhere else. And heaven is going to be great in its fullness, but we've got heaven in our hearts. And when we share that, it becomes more like family. We begin to get to know each other. <clears throat> and there's a, there's a few other stories I, I, I could tell you, <laughs> and they're, I'm sure they're good, but I want to give you guys opportunity. We've got about 30 minutes, and I want to I encourage you to be, you know, to be, I mean, to be honest, but be mindful of the time. I mean, we don't, we want to give other people opportunities too. So if you have something that you just want to testify, even if it's just something recent, whether someone was healed or the Lord spoke to you through something, um, just try to be mindful of the time. We're going we're to have a microphone just kind of run around so we can get it on podcast because there's people that listen to our podcast. I get text messages and, and messages on Facebook all the time from people all over. They're just like, hey, where's the, where's the podcast? And I'm like, you guys listen? They're like, yeah, where is it? We need to upload that thing. I'm like, wow. And, uh, but what's cool about it, and the same thing that the consensus of many of the messages that I receive is, I feel like I feel like family. I feel like I'm in I'm in the living room just hanging out with my family, and I just it just there's just so much love even through the messages, and they're not even here. It's crazy the the day and age we live in. But they can hear the messages that we talk that, that we teach in here, that we speak about, and the good news that we care that that we are proclaiming. They can hear it all over the place because of the podcast is. I know that's something simple, but it just amazes me. Um, so we do have microphones. It's not just so we can embarrass you with a microphone, but I want to give opportunities for testimony. We already got one. <laughs> it's right behind you. Probably one of the things that I'm watching right now, a lot of people I love are in some really, really deep grief. They have had people die who shouldn't have died, and they have had circumstances to deal with that they shouldn't have had to deal with. And I look and I see a twinkle in their eye below the tears and just a bit of a grin because we sorrow not even as others who have no hope. Yeah. And part of living in the kingdom and the testimony that I see is the hope that we have in Jesus when circumstances are bad. It's, it goes back to Job the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, and God is good all the time. Right. Amen. And I'm, I'm seeing the same thing with many of our friends here and other friends outside that, that are dealing with grief and with hurt. 
and it is it is an incredible testimony so much so that it's one of the main one of the big reasons why I'm here today is is because of those those times when everything looks bad and someone is praising the Lord in the midst of it and you're like how how I'll, I'll give one more testimony well one more brief story too um there was a time in our lives where we, Tracy and I, this is even, I say recent, recent compared to many of the other things I was telling you. When when Tracy and I ran into financial difficulty, it was one of those things that you never want to come to and you go to, you know, financial counselor and they say, they throw their hands up and they're like, I'm here to help you, but I got nothing for you. You know, you've just made some mistakes and you backed yourself into a corner. There's no way around it. And we 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 were in trouble. I mean, there was no, and it was it was embarrassing to me. It was very degrading and I felt, you know, horrible, like I'd, I'd made some bad decisions, and this is all on me, ultimately, I felt like, and what amazed me was in the midst of that, there were friends of ours um, that are family in this church um, that came to us, and we're going through something much, much worse than we were going through. Fi- I mean, financial issues are bad, I, I get it, but what they were going through was about 10, I would say at least 10,000 times worse than ours, and they stepped up and asked if we needed help um, to pay for the lawyer to do the bankruptcy that we had to do. And it's been, it should be close to being off our record. It's been, I don't know, it's been a long time. But that, that to me just blows my mind. And it wasn't just one person. It was several families that stepped up. And we didn't, we weren't asking for this. We were trying to keep it kind of secret because we didn't really want to. We were embarrassed about it. And people found out and they, and they helped us. And you don't know, I mean, until you're in that position and you see those people that are around you caring, um, there's no... There's no substitute for that. There's no, uh, you know, you, that's not something you you necessarily uh, try to manufacture. It's just something genuine that comes from people. And and when you see the Holy Spirit in people like that, that can look past their own circumstances to help you, that's when I, I believe what Psalms talks about. We 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 are the gates. We open the gates to see heaven. I think that's what we're doing when we do that. When we step outside of ourselves and our own needs and our own circumstances, and we just give to care for people, I believe that's when heaven is revealed to people. I believe that's when the, we fling, like we fling the gates open and show them. Anyway, next, who else got testimony? Testify. Nick. Oh, never mind. You got somebody else? Hot mic. I saw, I saw Fred. Fred's there, then Nick. Uh, <clears throat> I just wanted to reiterate what you were saying, how good God is, and how much he loves us and is more concerned about our or uh, just being with him than our performance. And, and I've said this before, and, and I just have to say it again. When, when um, Kathy Starling died, Ray was so disturbed. He just hung all over Bill. Yeah. And I always said, that's me. And Bill was God. And so when I'm down, I just think of Ray. <laughs> what is it? What is it that Bill wouldn't do for Ray? Right. And uh, I just think, I'll just crawl up in Father God's lap. Yeah. That's awesome. What a beautiful picture, too. If you don't know Ray, he's a happy, he's a happy kid. Nick, yeah, Nick. Um, I just want to give a brief testimony about kind of what we came from and, and where we're at now with you guys. Um, 
<clears throat> we came from a real legalistic Baptist church, and I'm real thankful for that time because I can look back on it and see things that were good, uh, things that helped us, but um, God started showing me after being there for about 11 or 12 years that something just wasn't quite right, and um, or at least for us anyway, <clears throat> and uh, I called Ben. He was kind of my go-to. I always hung out with staff, and Ben was on staff there for a long time, and uh, he's been a, a good friend for, for a while, but I called him. They had already left, and it, I think they had been gone for a couple of years, and I was like, hey, man, where do I go? And he's like, well, we're at Luke 418, but I think you ought to go to Pure Grace. And I was like, what is this Pure Grace you speak of? <laughs> <laughs> and so... So we wound up coming here, and Ben and them were there, so we didn't really know anybody here. You know, I didn't have a, I didn't have a crew to come hang out with, but as soon as we walked in, we felt welcome, and, and it was weird because we knew Ben and Buddy were going to be starting Gospel Life Fellowship pretty soon. They had already, I think they already had the Bible study going. We were going to that uh, on Wednesdays, <clears throat> and, um, but anyway, we were coming here on Sunday, so knowing that they were going to start that and knowing that we were going to go, I didn't want to get plugged in here, and I told Danielle, I was like, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to get plugged in, but I, but I felt a pull, you know, I felt like this was a good spot to be in, yeah. and so it was tough uh, after, I don't know, we came for maybe a month or two, and then they kind of got that going, and we went, and, um, but anyways, it, it's just kind of wild that it worked out where we merged, yeah. and, and so we're back, and, and I mean, obviously, it's felt like home ever since, so. Yeah thankful to be here and love you Andrew <laughs> we love you Nick hey guys uh, <clears throat> my name's Kyle um, I've been going here for a couple months now I guess I think the first Sunday I came actually was when you prayed for Amanda oh yeah uh, for her cancer now that was just that kind of blew me away but um, I shared a story with Justin this past uh, weekend at um, Grace Unplugged and it's not something I share much with people because I'm afraid they're going to think I'm crazy or something. But um, <laughs> like many of you, I've I've had different backgrounds. Like I I grew up United Methodist. I've gone to you know Presbyterian churches, Nazarene churches, and Southern Baptist, Fundamental Baptist, you name it. I've gone to them, and I I was looking for something I couldn't really put words to it. Um, I was looking for the authentic Christian experience, and I figured if I try a different church, maybe I'd find it. <laughs> and man, I and it wasn't like I wasn't trying. I was doing the the um, you know, the outreach, soul winning. I was going Wednesday night Bible studies. I was volunteering, and it was just killing me. It was killing my family. It was just, I was getting burned out. And I came to the point, Holly was actually up in Maine visiting family, so I had time to be alone. And I came to the point, I was just a brutal time of honesty with God. I said, if this is Christianity, I don't want it. This is just, it's, it's killing me, literally. Um, and uh, shortly after that time, I was just in time of praying, I one night I was asleep and I had the dream. I don't remember the context of the dream, but I do remember the Lord spoke to me in the dream. And the only thing he said was, I love you. And it, um, it broke me. I fell down. I, I was bawling my eyes out in my dream. And I said, I'm sorry, which seems like an odd thing to say. But um, you read through the Bible about how much God loves you. And, and, and I guess to a certain extent, I acknowledged it intellectually but I never really internalized that. And when he spoke those words, I felt the full weight of the truth of the statement mm. and how much he loved me in that moment, and it just broke me. Mm. Wow. So I fell down, I cried, I said, I'm sorry, 
And he said, I forgive you. And that was the end of the dream, but it was so powerful to me. It um, really just changed the way I, I see God and, and how I relate with him. And um, I just uh, I went looking around for a lot of churches that after that point, and I think something you've mentioned, you can smell law a mile away. <laughs> yeah. Walk into these places. I was like, this isn't it. This isn't it. <clears throat> Finally, I walked in here. I said, I think this, this is the place. And I'm glad I found it. So. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Listen, you, you, don't have to worry about, you don't have to worry about looking crazy around here. I'm, I'll, give, I'll, give, I'll, I'll throw another one, too, real quick. Um, uh, there was, just to make you feel better so you don't feel crazy. Um, there was a time when, when I first got saved, I went to a, a very charismatic church, and I'm not trying, no, nobody in here is trying to beat up on denominations at all. I, I, most of you know I'm anti-denomination. I don't think there's denominations in heaven. I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus, and that, I think that should be it. When people ask me, that's why I tell them what, say what denomination you are. I'm like, I, Jesus, <laughs> you know, Christian denomination. So, um, but to, to, just so you to gain, gain some perspective, because we all, I think all of us have a frame of reference on what style of church. Well, the style I went to was a more charismatic church, and so the the, the the theme of Sundays most of the time was, you know, a, a preacher would, would preach. It was very similar to now now that I've seen a lot of the other denominations, it wasn't much different, really. It was preacher telling you a bunch of stuff either to make you feel bad or, or whatever it was, and then at the end there was there was kind of a time to reflect or whatever you want to call it. And at our at the church that I went to, everybody would come up front and you know, there was there was a lot of speaking in tongues and laying on hands and people would fall out and laughing and crying and screaming and it I don't know if you ever heard concert prayer, but it's pretty chaotic. I mean, everybody's praying at the same time. It's like, whoa. And, uh, and so it was just, it was real intense. And, but it was good for me in the time I needed that. I was young and it was exciting. Um, but over time, I began to kind of see this like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not getting what they're getting. I wasn't falling down. I wasn't speaking in tongues. I wasn't doing all the things. And I was like, maybe it's me. And, and Tracy Latess, I was, we, I mean, I would come up and just confess, things, trying to think of things like maybe this one time, I watched that movie with the intention. I don't know what it, it was. Something like just something in and of myself to to manufacture something. Like what else do you want from me? I I want everything that you have, God. I am sold out. You know, I was on you know on fire, and I and I was pushing and pushing and pushing, and it never happened. Like none of those none of those things that I thought would signify growth or maturity or anointing or whatever it was didn't didn't happen. And then I met Tracy, and she went to a church that was not charismatic, like way on the other end of the spectrum. And, and she invited me to this thing, and I've told some of you, but I feel like somebody needs to hear it. <clears throat> we end up at this thing, and like I said, this has been years. This isn't just a few months. It's been years. I've been struggling, trying, and trying, and trying, and trying, and trying, and confessing, confessing, and nothing's ever happening. I go to, to Tracy's church that she was going to at this little thing. In the, it was behind the church, and it was some bikers playing Christian rock and roll music or something. It was a youth thing, and like nobody, this is not, a, it was a very... I don't know how to put it, surfacey kind of thing. It was just a bunch of youth hanging out. It wasn't, let's get deep in prayer or anything. It was just kind of, hey, this is fun. We're going to hang out behind this church and listen to Christian rock. Anyway, afterwards, this lady came up and said, hey, I want to pray for you. And I was like, okay, whatever. And she's like, no, my husband needs to pray for you. She went and got her husband, came back. Like, it was real specific. I was like, all right. So we get in this little circle, just like me, Tracy, and I think them two, is that it? I think that was about it. And he begins to pray for me. As soon as he prays for me, I fall on my back. <laughs> like, I'm not seeking, I'm not confessing, I'm not doing anything. I just fall down on my back and I'm laughing and crying, like completely unexpected, like all God doing something. Well, I know now, but he, he, was, he was demonstrating to me several things. One, 
It was one of those times that you never forget. You don't forget that. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't go away. You could argue with me and be like, well, that doesn't happen. Okay, I'm sorry you don't believe that, but it did. So I'm okay with that if you don't believe it, but <laughs> you might be surprised one day <laughs> at the back of a church that you think is dead or whatever. So God taught me a lot in that. One is that he loved me, and that was just, it was just like a, I always equate it to like just a pinch, like when you're cooking or whatever, just a pinch. It was just like a pinch of how good he is and his love was, and it flattened me. And I, I don't know how long I was laying down. It was a while. She was very embarrassed. I'm surprised she stayed with me through it. She was extremely embarrassed, and she will agree to that. Um, but I was down there for a long time in a field behind the church laughing and crying, like almost in a trance. Like it was wild. Well, fast forward, looking back, one thing he was teaching me was just how good he was and how, how his love was. But also, I don't determine what the manifestations of God look like or where they happen. It's not about this church or that church or this denomination or this denomination. God's, we, God was never in a box. We can't put him in a box. So he taught me a lot in those instances, and there were several other after that, but I don't want to waste anybody else's time. But you're not crazy. So those, those things happen, and you're just like, oh, okay. Um, anyway, so who else? Who else? Who else? I don't want to keep. Who? Danielle? Okay. I'm going to try to give my, like, life testimony. Oh, my goodness. In, like, okay. two Go minutes. I've had a lot that's went on through my life. Um, I'll start back when I'm younger. Uh, when I was younger, uh, I come from a divorced family. Uh, uh, my parents divorced when I was very young, uh, probably about three-ish. Um, my mother just decided to leave. Um, she was addicted to mainly pills, and she um, got heavily on drugs. My dad would not let her take us. He told her, don't pay me child support. You're not taking these girls. So he took me and my sisters. He raised us. We had a stepmother for nine years that took care, care of us very well, um, taught us a lot. Um, dad kept us in church uh, our whole lives, I mean, far back as I can remember. Um, he didn't go with us, though. Daddy would, uh, after he and my stepmother divorced when I was 13, um, everything was left for me and my two sisters to, um, to do, just from everything. Um, and as we got older, Daddy would stay at what we would call his second home, which was a bar up the road. And so that got me and my sisters to where we were able to go and do as we pleased as teenagers. I met my ex-husband whenever I was 17, I got pregnant at 20, not married, and my amazing, beautiful first daughter, who I call my saving grace. Had my second daughter. Their dad and I divorced after 12 years. Um, nothing, I never thought that would have happened to me. And before I divorced, I had lost my dad. The man that loved me first, I lost him. That was the hardest thing that I had to go through because that man I see now as a parent, he sacrificed so much for his daughters and he loved his grandbabies. And I hate that they're growing up without him. After the divorce, um, it was hard on my daughter, my oldest daughter. Um, but luckily, I met my wonderful Wonderful, 
handsome, <laughs> annoying husband. <laughs> okay. This month we'll be married for six years. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. They say if you can make it to seven, you're doing good. So, you know. <laughs> okay, so I've just had so much that has built up on me through losing my dad, losing my niece, who I loved as my own. Um, my brother-in-law almost died. My nephew almost died. And this all happened to my sister that she had to deal with. So I dealt with it. She lost my dad. All this came on me. And then our first two years of marriage was nothing I would want to go through again. It was rough. And it wasn't just like us. It was just other situations that we were going through and having to deal with. And then two years after, I dealt with the worst battle that you could possibly deal with, and that's the battle with yourself. Um, was on this battlefield, and I was losing. I was losing it. I got into a dark, deep hole, and I couldn't get out of it. I was badly depressed. I had no idea. And you think, how did you not know? I didn't. Um, I was in the hospital for about five days. I don't even remember my visit, really. My husband could probably tell you the whole experience. I really don't remember my visit in the hospital, hardly. All I remember is my doctor came in. She told me, she said, you're going to die if you don't start eating. I don't know how long I had went without eating, but all she could tell me was, you need to eat. Eat something. If you don't eat, we're going to put you on the psych ward. <laughs> Thanks, I'm crazy. But... You know, after I got home, all I could, literally, all I could do was turn my worship music on after I was able to get up off the couch and walk, lift my hands, fall to my knees, and praise God, and just, I literally cried out to God, because when you're depressed, You've never been there. You do not know the things that can go on with somebody. Yeah. Okay. I told my husband one time, I said, as I was having a panic attack, I said, I wish this on nobody. Ever would I wish this on anybody. All I could do was turn to God and praise him, even through my worst battle. (laughs) That's all I could do. Yeah. Because guess what? He fights the battle for you. Yeah. And he has brought me through it. And I just praise him. Amen. Listen, I, <clears throat> I, I've not struggled with depression personally, but I, I know people that have. And from the conversations that I've had with them, I ask the ones that I know well enough to, to, to ask these personal questions, and I've asked them. You know, and I'll, I'll ask, well, how do you know, how did you get there? Why, why you know, the, the basic questions probably many of us ask, why, you know, how? And the, the few people that I have talked to that have dealt with it, um, it's one of those things that, that you can't, you know, you can't see. People around you can't see all the time, but it's like a prison. It's like they put themselves in a prison that's not even, it's not even there. And, and it's like there's the the way that they described it to me is like there's there's almost no escape to this place for and it's just going down like you were saying going down that dark road, 
and feeling like you can't get out of it. And I, it's, hard for me to, it's hard for me to fathom to understand that, but it doesn't mean that I don't struggle with other things. It's just when, to me, that would be the most difficult thing to, to deal with and diagnose because it's, it's, it's so deep and so personal that it's hard for people to get into that place. And to me, the greatest anecdote to that is relationship because if the only way that that will ever come to the surface as deep as it is is through relationships. Now, I don't know if Nick played a part in it, but I assume that he did at some point in, in, in talking to you through those moments, and he probably remembers a lot more too, like you were saying, in those times of the people that are the closest to you that can actually see some of the things that you're dealing with. So I think as, as we, need to be, we need to be understanding of people that struggle with these issues, especially the issues that aren't always on the surface. And we've seen some of the people that seem the happiest not aren't necessarily happy. So a, a lot of that, not that it rests on everyone's shoulders, but at the same time, we need to be aware of our surroundings and what's going on and talk to people about the things that they're, that they're dealing with. I mean, you, just like I said, I thought this guy that I work with all the time, as far as I knew, I mean, everything was perfect for him. I mean, he's, you know, he's gone to college, he's an engineer, he's, you know, I, I, in my mind, I just thought he was a certain way. And come to find out, he's dealt, he's, he's, he's done some things. Who said that? We were in a Wednesday night, but you remember that? I've done some things. <laughs> anyway, but he was, he had been through some things that I would have never expected. You have no idea what people have gone through. Not, not that you have to pry, but it just naturally comes up in relationships. Like I said, road trips are great. We've had road trips and you will get to know people. Sometimes not that good. Sometimes you will not want to know them after the trip. But most of the time, you get to know people, and, and it's just natural. Any, any road trip that I've ever taken, I've gotten to know people better. Um, one, one I'm, not, I'm trying not to embarrass Robert, but one of the trips we took, we took to Disney one time, and uh, that was quite an adventure. The truck broke down, and, I mean, it was wild. We were, we, I don't know what we were thinking. We were going to put all the starlings in a camper <laughs> with us, too, with us and our three kids. And the Lord was like, no, you're not. You, you we want you guys to remain friends, so we're going to allow this truck to break down so you can get an actual room. Because <laughs> even, even though we had rooms and they were separated a little bit, it was still very stressful for us, and I can't imagine if we were in anyway. So, but getting to know, just getting to know Robert, and Robert told me his story and kind of things that he had been through, and I had no idea um, some of the things that he had seen and some of the things he had been through. And there's no substitute for that. There's no, there's no shortcut to that. When you, when you get to know people and you hear their story, now everything is a little bit different. When, you, when, when something comes up or, or when you talk to them or if there's, if there's a life situation or something somebody's going through, it's not just, oh, well, just work it out kind of thing. It's like, no, we, this, is, this is family. This is, this is something I am committed to and invested in regardless. Not just you, Robert. <laughs> I'm committed to you, though. But everybody, I mean, when, when you... When you're part of a family, you get mad at each other, but you just come back together, and, and you, you figure this stuff out. Um, and so when you, when you invest in the time that you spend with each other and you get to know each other and hear each other's stories, uh, those, I, I really think that those, those key moments and those times when uh, someone opens up is much easier and much easier to heal as well. So I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to teach again. I don't, anybody else have a testimony? <laughs> trying to preach up here like I'm the preacher or something. I can, I will. Okay. I can briefly add, because I'll, I'll keep my short. Um, me and my wife, we're, we're both pastor's kids. 
we grew up in church. We've heard on just about everything. We've been through a lot of different different denominations, different experiences. Um, I have always really tried to serve the Lord as, as best we can. Um, we had it in our heart for 14 years to be missionaries in Honduras. Uh, we finally managed to get it together and go down there. And after about five months down there, the whole thing just kind of crumbled. Uh, the pastor had some major failures, and the money dried up for supporting us, and our house didn't have a renter in it. And so there was a lot of things that we had pinned our hopes on for years that were just smashed on the ground and stomped on. And so we were broken. And when we came back, uh, we just felt like God was saying, I want to press reset on your life. And we, we knew some friends that were here that were saying, y'all should come to our church. And we're like, no, that little bitty, no, there's, you know. We, weren't, we didn't feel like this would be a church that would fit what we thought a church ought to look like. <laughs> we walked in and encountered the love of God, the presence of God, and God just spent six, six months to a year just rebuilding our lives, rebuilding our hearts, showing us what community really was. And I remember you. I used to sit back there. Yeah, we were just back there. We were a mess for the first almost a year as God just peeled the onions, all the pain and all the disappointment and all the things and just reshaped what we thought the church was like. And it found out that he's our father, we're sons, and we're family. It's not a corporation. And so it's a paradigm shift that's brought us more joy, even as children's, I mean, we've had some great experiences, God, in other churches, but we've had more joy and more peace in this experience than I think we've ever experienced in our life. Am I right, Turners? Is that right? <laughs> Are you raising, like, amen, or like, I want to talk? Yes. Matt Singh? Okay. Wait, sure. Matt Singh, you're back one day, and you're going to take the mic. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All I can say is God is faithful. Yes. And um, it's been probably about a year and a half since we've been here. And I never thought we'd be away that long. And um, life just kind of got in our way. And we've had quite a few struggles and ups and downs and um, hits from the left and the right. And, you know, just um, like I said, life just got in our way. Yeah. Um, we moved recently into a, a new home from a home that we rented for 13 years because, like y'all, we had to file bankruptcy and we lost pretty much everything. Wow. Um, we we uh, been to several churches, kind of like everybody else, trying to find the right place and um, have just, you know, we're searching and looking for... Um, a place that we could call home. And when we came here, we also felt that this was the place. Um, and so many loved ones that we knew from other churches that were here uh, just kind of enforced that connection, you know, to, to the uh, true Christian experience. Um, but at the same time, you know, our struggles hindered us, yeah. and, uh, you know, we, we disconnected ourselves, you know, and I, I can relate to the depression. Um, when you're depressed, you want to isolate yourself. Mm -hmm. You don't want fellowship. You want to isolate yourself because you're hurting, and you don't want to put that hurt on other people. Uh, but God, again, is faithful. He's blessed us in so many ways, uh, and um, 
I'm a testimony right now just to be sitting here uh, because, you know, the surgery I recently had was major. Uh, it was ex extremely painful, and I, I also wish that on no one. Yeah. Um, but I know, although we have discon had disconnected ourselves from here, we weren't disconnected from here. Yeah. And I know that many of y'all have been lifting us up in prayer and keeping us, um, you know, close to your hearts and um, text messaging and, uh, you know, messaging us in different ways. And I thank, thank you all for that. I thank you for your love and your support and your prayers. And... Um, I thank Harvey for sticking with uh, me for 40 years. So we're <laughs> celebrating our 40th anniversary today. And oh, congratulations. We're, we're just blessed and thankful to be a part of this house of fellowship. Uh, awesome. Well, it's good to see you, <laughs> both of you. It's good to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I want to say this, too, that it's um, everybody's building up our church because not... And it's good. I'm glad. Um, but it's not because we've got some system or like our church is better than other churches. I just want to be clear there. Um, it's the it's you guys. It's the people. It, when when God begins to be revealed through people, it's very it's very natural for people to be drawn to you. And the reason why all these experiences, as far as the, the testimonies that talk about our church specifically, the reason why people feel this way is because of you guys. It's not it's not because we've you know, we've got certain things that we do that fall into place that appeal to certain individuals. You know, we're not, we're, no one has that intention on trying to, trying to push an agenda other than the love of Christ. So when, when that is revealed through people, it's a very natural progression that people are drawn to them. Same way Jesus, everywhere Jesus went, people were drawn to him because it, he showed the love of God. He demonstrated, he said, look, I just do what the Father does. That's all we do. We just do what Jesus does. And Jesus walks around and loves people. All right, we're only two minutes over. Not too bad. You guys are awesome. This was good. I, this was a breath of fresh air for me. I don't know about you. <clears throat> I, I like hearing. It's encouraging to me to hear. I know the conference was coming up too, and I thought it'd be good to just have a, a nice conversation. Y'all like this? This is good. Everybody happy? All right, happy, 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 happy. All right, uh, stand up with me. I'm gonna pray for you, and you can do whatever you want after that. I guess. Father, I just, uh, Lord, I thank you for, uh, for your joy, for your peace. Lord, I thank you that we can extend that to those that are around us. Lord, I pray that that's felt more and more. Um, Lord, that we don't, we don't capture you and hold you in this little metal building in Westmobile. But, Father, we carry your Holy Spirit everywhere we go. And, Lord, the reason why it's, it just feels so, so good and so right here is because there's so many people that are expressing that same, uh, that same Holy Spirit. So, Father, as we leave this place, Lord, I just pray... Um, for your joy and your laughter to be on every person in this place, Lord, that you would just reveal yourself to them and that you would, you would let them see in the spirit what sometimes we can't see in the natural, Lord, that the, they wouldn't be distracted by their circumstances, but that they would be known and that they would know you, and that's the most important thing. In Jesus' name, amen.